Hello and welcome to this edition of your Sports Memo Podcast. My name is Calvin Emekamuka and it is my privilege to welcome you to this special, special episode. Every episode is special, to be perfectly honest with you. It is my pleasure to gather around my friends from as far back as the last 30 years in this episode. They have spent many years watching this beloved sport of ours. They have been presenters on TV, pundits during life matches on Nigerian television down the years. One is now even a sports administrator in Lagos, if we get him on, if we get him. In Canada is Shola Egunjobi, a former presenter of Best of Football on NTA. In Lagos is Akinshon Wadaudu, a regular guest on Best of Football way back then. He's a Europe and Middle East head of a multinational bank. Hopefully, hopefully, we would have the third person join us as the episode progresses. Gentlemen, Shala Egunjobi and Akida Odu, welcome to your Sports Memo podcast. Pleasure to be right. here, Mecca. Oh, yeah, Mecca, it's nice to be here. Thank you. Yes, Aki, we'll start with you. Can you give me the first of your favorite matches and then we would we would we would go around? Okay. Um chronologically speaking, I'll pick the earlier game. Okay. Um, because I think that's just a good way to arrange these sorts of things. And there are many to choose from. But I I wanted to go with something that represented a period of real um, optimism and power in Nigerian football, mm. a period of great success. And, you know, during that period, which was the Western Half era, there were many games in which Nigeria was successful and triumphant. The, the Super Eagles, I always prefer Green Eagles myself, but I'm trying not to do too much of it. <laughs> of an old commotion. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just go with Super Eagles. I mean, Super is not really an appropriate uh, uh, qualifier for, I tell you for the, an ego. The funny thing or is... Or even a serious team, but never mind. The funny thing is how easily that name was changed. It was just... Yeah. yeah. They, they, we came, I think we came back from... Um, Afcon 88. It was 1988, wasn't yeah. it? Yes. Yeah, we just yes. came back from Afcon 88 yes. and... I, I could yeah. just decided the team should be called yes. it should be called uh, Super Eagles and that was that which is, which is weird because we didn't win yeah we didn't win, <laughs> we didn't win. <laughs> and, but you have to remember to justify these things you would have to say well Nigeria is a young nation and mm, traditions wow. are easily made and broken I guess I, that's, I suppose yeah because really I mean Super. Really. <laughs> I, I think he, he, he kept a super, yes, because, but not super egos. <laughs> I think also because the, the period just before '88 was probably one of the really dark times. Where we didn't oh, even yes, <laughs> We didn't even qualify for '86. For '86, yes, the mid '80s yeah. were tough. That's true. <laughs> you know what? That's true. So maybe that's why. I can. It's it's a it's a yeah. thing that you mentioned that the mid '80s. If, does anybody mm. understand really why the mid eighties were that bad? Considering, <laughs> considering that the one Afghan in eighty, we yeah. were mm. were rubbish in eighty two, but we got to the final in eighty four. In eighty four. So <clears throat> what what happened between eighty four and eighty seven that things went so bad? Well, 
Well, I mean, we can talk about. I think the MMB's incident of '85 was a big factor. Mm. There was, yeah. Which was during the qualifiers for the World Cup, yeah, when the yeah. best players in the country could not be picked. So I think Wosu was out, Keshi was out, Omokaru, mm. and Goibe. Mm. Um, I think Edouard was the only one who yep. survived yep. somehow. Yep, Edouard was the only one who um, survived. So these were the core, these were the best players in the team at this period. Keshi was the undisputed leader of the team, though he was still quite young mm-hmm. at the time, mm-hmm. uh, mid-20s. Yeah. Uh-huh. But they were out. So I think that was a big factor. And then you also had this flux. At this time, players were there were players in Europe and we we're trying to incorporate them into the team. Uh-huh. And we didn't really seem to have a good handle on how to do that. So you had people like American Wajobi coming down from Luton mm-hmm. Town. Even John Fashanu got a game or two at the time, even though he was technically quite useless. Yes. Um <laughs> I think Ubo Kiri, you know, we were just all over the place. Yeah. Only when they left, only when they left after 84 for whatever reason, Udembeze may well have been a fine coach, yeah. but I think he was dealt a bad hand. Yeah. And as uh, Yoruba people say, Udembeze did not have head. Udembeze did not have head. <laughs> things, he may have been a fine coach, but things tended not to work for out him. for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which we saw later with the under twenties in eighty seven. Yes. In a strange way in a strange way though, that whole incident of NND players out of a team, that kind of led to the rebirth of the team because without that maybe Keshi wouldn't have gone to Ivory Coast, wouldn't have gone to Belgium. Yes. And then yes. it, it led to the rebirth that we saw in the early nineties and brought up. Yes. It, it is absolutely funny that you say this, uh Shola, Because um I am you might not know this scripture. A scripture that says that uh, Apostle Paul was saying, I can't quote the exact one, but he says that if Satan had known what would happen, he would not have allowed um, Jesus Christ to be crucified on the cross. So Christians <laughs> always believe that. That if, and as Shola mentioned, if that ban had not taken place, if that ban had not taken place, Keshi would not have followed the, 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 he wouldn't have gone to Ivory Coast to play football. Because according to yeah. according to um, Chibuze Hilebu, he said that they were all they made contact with them during that Afghan eighty four. They were eighty four, yeah. Yes, they were approached by. He told me they were approached by a club in France initially, mm. and that they told them that if they wanted, they could pack them in in um, Ivory Coast first, and then they will come to then they will come to France later. So that was, mm-hmm. this was this was what, so if that ban hadn't happened. Keshi might not have moved out and then all yeah. these Nigerian professional football players going to play abroad eventually might not have might not have happened at the speed with which it happened at the time. Yeah. 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 Indeed. But let's get back on the <laughs> on the topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I know some of your followership or some of your listeners will be millennials. And you know, all this reminiscing about times gone past. <laughs> My fly. Yeah. We, so we have to we have to think of uh, of our audience. So um so but the older game may not help in this regard, but I think even so it might be the best bet. So my first game I picked was from the Western Half era. And like I said, we won a lot of games in that period. But they weren't always the most dramatic. Mm. We tended to win playing a very high tempo, athletic 
physical game, and we, especially in Africa, we annihilated teams for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, but the most dramatic game I can recall from that era um, that everybody thoroughly enjoyed uh, was the semi-final of the 1994 African Nations Cup against Cote d'Ivoire. Mm. So that's my first game. That's my first game. Um, Talk us through the game. Well, we went into the game as prohibitive favourites. Um, we went into the tournament as prohibitive favourites, to be mm. fair. Mm. And Cote d'Ivoire had traditionally been strong, and they were the defending champions from yep. the 1992 yep. Yep, tournament were. in Senegal mm -hmm. when they defeated Ghana in a ball fest of a final. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 ball fest. They were coached by yeah. Yo, Ma Yo Marshall in 1992. Yeah. Mm. And in 1994, they were coached by Henri Kas Yes, it was. Kaspershek, yeah. yes who was a Polish midfielder who had been part of the very successful Polish team to the 74 World Cup mm -hmm. that came third, but had been, I think, largely based in France, which was where the connection with Côte d'Ivoire came, and I think had played in France and had coached in France, and was a very good coach, and they had a good team. Um, and they had defeated Ghana in the quarters. In what was a fabulous game. Absolutely fantastic game. I would, picked, I would have picked that game if I could remember it better. <laughs> but I remember that it was an unreal game. It was the best game I thought maybe of the tournament. It was just a really high quality game. Mm. Um, Ghana were also heavily favoured. Tony Yeboah up front. Um, Abedi Pele very much in the team. Yeah. Um, Charles Akuno who scored. Charles, yeah. And okay. An otherworldly free kick in that quarterfinal against Cote d'Ivoire, which 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 and Cote d'Ivoire ended up winning two one with a, a late winner by Abdullah Traoré, I think. Yes. Who was the centre forward? Yeah, who could always I think Thierry scored who the could first always goal. Score mm. Thierry scored the first and missed the penalty, as was his want. Um, <laughs> but they came through that game. But we were expected to roll them over and beat them quite easily. Well, not mm. easily, but we're the best team in Africa. Yep. Um, we, we had pretty much strolled through the tournament, even if we struggled a bit in the later stages of the quarterfinals, which, if I remember right, was against Zaire. Zaire, mm. Zaire, yeah. Zaire, later to be the DRC by, after the fall of Mobutu, but still Zaire at that point. Yep. And we went two goals up. Yakini got both. Um, of at least one will say assist, if not both will say assist. If not both. <laughs> yeah, memory fails me. Both yeah, I can't remember that. <laughs> yeah, but then towards the end we struggled. I remember towards the end of that game, mm. they came back into it. We struggled a bit, but we're still the favourites. We had everything going for us, and the Cote d'Ivoire game came through, and we considered fairly early on, five or six minutes um, of. Uh, a header in the six-yard box from a corner by Michel Basole, mm. who had, mm -hmm. whom I remember from the 1987 Under-17 World Cup in Scotland. Yes. Now, when, um, yes, you're right. The one in Canada, I think it was, that they got yeah, to... Canada, they, Canada, yeah. they came third in that <laughs> Canada, yes. Yeah, was Scotland, sorry. 87 was Canada. Yes. 87 was Canada. Mm. 89 was Scotland. was Scotland, yeah. 87, we got to the finals... 
Dimeji Lawal, Tony Amedofu, and that whole crew. And um, he had been a star for Côte d'Ivoire at that tournament. And he scored this header from a corner um, after a few minutes where Peter Rufai showed all his weaknesses. Uh, <laughs> he did, actually. Yeah, was useless, of course. Uh, with, I mean, with, with all due respect, one must say it. He was terrible on crossing. <laughs> it, was, it was literally in a six-yard box, if I remember right. Mm. I mean, that, sh- that shouldn't happen. Direct from the corner. And the whole went behind. And then, I think a few minutes later, we're up the other end. Um, and a gorgeous one-two between Benedict Iroha mm. with, with, the, with JJ Okocha. Yeah. JJ reversing the ball to Iroha with a beautiful back heel yeah, yeah. that put Iroha through, which I believe he then finished with his right foot in yes. the far corner. Yeah, yes. he poked yes. it in with the right you remember that Iroha was actually right-footed, I think. Mm, he is. Yeah, yeah, even though he played he almost played entirely. Left. I played left-back. And so it was 1-1 normal service resumed, or so we thought. <laughs> and then Cote d'Ivoire went ahead again. Um, a low finish by Barcelona from the edge of the area. The defense all over the place. Um, and this was all still in the first half. Mm. And then we picked ourselves up and started to drive at them again. Only sent a ball down the inside right channel for Finidi to chase. Uh, Finidi got to it before the fullback. But and Finidi was a very conservative right winger. People don't remember this. Mm. Finidi was not a touchline getter. And, uh, when, no, let me take that back. He wasn't a byline attacker. He generally did not try to attack the byline like, um, you know, some other wingers of the era would. Because his crossing was fairly good and because it was fairly quick, he could actually also hang off and he was a good passer. He could play with people. Mm-hmm. He used to be a midfielder. As often as not, he would hang off and play with his midfielders, play the ball into feet or cross from deep occasionally. He wasn't want to always try to beat his fullback. Mm. But Olise's ball invited him to do so. You know, there's an old Johan Cruyff quote about, you know, the sometimes people say the run obliges the pass. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But that sometimes the pass the obliges pass. the run. Absolutely. It tells yeah. you what to do. Yes. And Olise's ball dropped behind the fullback and hung in that corner. Yes, Finidi chased it, got there first, but then didn't stop and just took it on the curve, on the bend, and surged past the defender and came inside him, which he rarely did. He really, really, really did that. And I think, and he was pretty much in the area, and all all he had to do was knock it across a six-yard box for Yekini to tap it. Well, there was a lineup waiting to tap it in. <laughs> well, yes, but Yekini, as usual, was at the head of the lineup to oh, tap yeah, it in. Oh, yeah, of course. That was his job, as he was two months later, or three at months later, Cup. at the World Cup. It was a so similar goal, yeah? And it was a similar goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that case, at, uh, Amokachi cut in from the right and played the ball down the inside right channel, with Finidi making this into outrun. 
yeah. um, to just tear the Bulgarian defense completely apart, unstitch the defense completely in that case. But similar ball, similar tapping. 2-2, two, two, normal service resumed, or, or so we thought. Second half came, and Rashidi Akini proceeded to miss a litany oh. <laughs> oh of, of presentable chances. He must have missed four one-on-ones that day. He did. He did. He missed. Yeah, he must have missed. He missed like five. Yeah. <laughs> he missed yes. like five that day. <laughs> yes. And so the game followed the pattern that was expected after the initial volatility and instability of the Côte d'Ivoire's fast start. Mm. Of Côte d'Ivoire's fast start. By the second half, we were fully on top. Côte d'Ivoire were creating very little. Um, we were the better side, but we kept passing up opportunities. And, you know, we've all watched football long enough to know that, yeah, you know, maybe it's not your day. And on and on it went till extra time and uh, we still couldn't find a winner and we went to the shootout and we eventually won in the shootout. For the life of me, I can't remember who missed and who, and who scored. <laughs> it was and missed ours. Cesar missed Nigeria's. Yes. The second oh, one. Okay. It was the second one. Cesar missed it. He actually skied it. And who, who missed and for Côte d'Ivoire? Pasole and um, this is their cultured centre-back. Not Abu Dominic. Abu Dominic's partner. Lasagne, I think. Well, it was Abu Dominic's okay. partner that missed it. Okay, I can't remember. I, I can't, can't remember. remember. I, I only know that Rashidi Yakini scored the last one. Rashidi Yakini scored the last one. Yes, Yakini. <laughs> yes, Yakini was still able to do that. So, we made it to the final. That game was memorable because um, there was a team that was used to winning at this point, mm. accustomed to winning, mm-hmm. expected to win, um, coping, able to cope with the pressure of winning. Mm-hmm. And able to find an unusual way to win in difficult circumstances, right? And able to prevail on a day when if you are superstitious or you are not strong of mind, Mm. you might think it's just not our day. Because they were superior. The game should not have gone to penalty. No business. (laughs) And so often you see the... Yeah. Yeah. You see the weaker team prevail Mm. in those circumstances. Yeah. But they hung on. Yeah, I think it was a test of uh, that was a test of character for sure. Yeah, they had all, they yes. had all the pressure. Everybody expected them to win that game. To win, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And I mean, if they were Dutch, they would have lost at the risk of perpetuating <laughs> national stereotypes. Too much evidence. There's too much evidence. Too much evidence. It's so funny that. But they prevailed. It's funny that that is your that uh, was your first one. That game was actually my first also. You see, mm. because yeah. I had been so emotionally invested in that team from mm. the time we West, the time we West of took over, I was like, how? If we lose this game here, what what I was really worried about was that if this team didn't make it to the final and win the tournament, that <laughs> the press at the time were going to get West of sacked going to the World oh, Cup. Yeah. So that was what that was what worried me. That was when he got to when he got to penalties. I just remember this uh, experience we had in my in my house at the time. We the one of my cousins who at the time didn't want to hear anything about George. So when he got to penalties, 
He now said to everybody, all of you, you people that go to church, oh, yeah, oh, come and start praying. <laughs> so he so said to you, see, it's not that you remember that prayer works. Now it's not we should pray. That's how everybody was invested in that game. Shall I, is this, was this, was this your first, was this your number one, or which one did you have in mind? Well, now that we're getting into it, there's so many options. That's the thing. Did you want us <laughs> to speak specifically about Nigeria? Again? No, 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 no. Any, go Any ahead. Game. Yeah. The the one I picked well, was the, an era before this, and it was from the World Cup in '82, mm. when uh, the Bra- when the Brazilians came up against Italy and and the hot red hot Paulo Rossi. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I, uh, of course, I was still, I was probably, I can't even remember, I was still in secondary school at the time, but it was one of those games that, uh, I mean, we'd seen Brazil, we of Brazil from the 70s, mm. and uh, all the magic and flair of all this, but this Brazil team in 82, my mm. goodness, <laughs> they didn't have Pele, but that was, uh, was, was probably, it's probably still the most fantastic team I've seen. Mm. Because uh, everyone remembers, remember that midfield? Mm. What? On the left flank. And Eddie. everybody thought they were Eddie on the left Yeah. Everybody thought this was Brazil's World Cup. They just needed to show up. And there was nothing they did in the first round that, that changed that opinion. They went, they went behind against Scotland. And then they, hit, then they beat that free kick. Well, no, it wasn't even the, yeah, too many memories from that team. So the free kick mm. from, I think it was it was it Zico or Eda? Someone put it. Zico, down. Zico scored the equalizer against, against Scotland. Scotland. Yeah. Zico. Ah. But that wasn't even the the the, 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 the bigger one was the, the opening game against uh, Russia. Russia. US and yes. Time. Yes. And the Russia and scored first, I think, too. Mm. And yes. Then, Bra- yes. then Brazil came back and equalized, and this game was going to, I think, it was late in the game. It's been a while. Mm. And then this ball came across, and I think it was Edda controlled the ball with his right foot and smacked this swerving bully into the top corner. The keeper didn't even move. You know, At the time, the Sayev was probably the best goalkeeper in the world. Do you know, do you know what? Well, I have to chip in here. Shaya. Yes. You <laughs> did not do that goal justice. What's that? What do you say? You didn't do the goal what justice. <laughs> You won't do that goal I, I, can't, I can't do it, Joe. Yeah, I know. That, ah, that goal. I'm skipping through it because that's not the game I want to talk about. But okay, okay. Not. Let's go. Let's just go. Let's not start on that. Right, Let's that just move on. I, I agree. Can, I agree. I can't do it. You're right. Maybe you can do it, but the way he took the ball and then he smacked no. it. Let's move on. Let's move on, Shella. Please, let's not, let's not talk about that goal. That team... I, I'll say one thing and I won't say anything else about this topic. That team had the best suite of goals of any team in the history of oh football in the tournament. Every goal they scored was picture perfect. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, I wasn't even going to talk about that, but it just came to my mind. Now. I was talking about it. I'm like, that, that, the goalkeeper did, he didn't even flinch. He just looked he at didn't the like, he, he didn't, didn't move. move. He just looked at the guy like, what? What just happened? <laughs> That's a ridiculous goal. But anyway, <sighs> the game against Italy, that was... You know, when you're young and watching soccer, you're growing up, you think, yeah, you know, the best team will win. Yes. But football doesn't, football yes. doesn't work like that. 
Because that day, if it wasn't, the Italians came with this organization, tenacity, mm. and, mm. and the defending of Claudio Gentile, of course. Mm. Who stuck to Zico like like they were twins, like 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 they were Siamese twins? He stuck. To, I don't know if he would have survived that game if he was played today. He no, he would have after ten minutes <laughs> because <of> the, <laughs> <laughs> the shirt pulling. I think Zico had to change his shirt. It was ripped. Yeah. Zico's shirt was ripped. He ripped yeah. his shirt completely. <laughs> the shirt pulling, the tackles. Oh my goodness. How those guys, they, they managed to keep their cool and didn't retaliate. But the Italians were so strong defensively that they had Dino's off in goal. But to, in, in addition to their tenacity and in defense, they had the finishing of Paolo Rossi, mm. who at the time, he hadn't had a good cup. I don't think he had scored in the tournament until then. No, he hadn't. He hadn't. So everybody knew Paolo Rossi was a big name in Italy. He had served some suspension for game for betting or something. They just brought him back not mm. too long before the World Cup. Yeah. And, you know, Brazil piled up on the only, the one weakness Brazil had that year, of course, was the goalkeeper. Oh, well, if you're going to include the striker that couldn't score. <laughs> <laughs> but they had goals from all over the place. So, you know. Yeah. But you know, the main weakness was the Balder Perez in goal. Wasn't the, wasn't the, Brazil wasn't known for goalkeepers at that time. You know, the thing, whenever so I, I think, think we can comfortably say that's changed. When I think about that game, when right. I think about that game, I I always try to take myself back to that time, you know, where I was um we just we just moved to first act. I was still schooling in Suleri. So just I was rushing home. I was rushing I I can just remember how I was jumping buses to get home for that game. Mm-hmm. Got there, it was Uncle Yika Craig that was introducing the game. Yeah. I was so nervous, I was physically ill. Because I don't even <laughs> I don't know why I was that nervous. Because I, I just somehow I just was nervous. So when um when Rossi scored the first goal, I wasn't worried at all. I wasn't worried. I thought Russia scored first. Um Scotland Scotland, Scotland, Scotland scored first. So they should carry on. You, you know, there's you know that time we used to get the feed we used to get was BBC was BBC feed. And mm-hmm. in commentary mm-hmm. that day was um John Motson and um John Motson and Bobby Charlton. It was John Motson and Bobby Charlton. They were going to the side. after Rossi scored our first goal. Um as the crowd, as the camera went into pan into the crowd and it showed the Brazilian fans. Um John Motson goes these Brazilian fans here in Barcelona remember how their team came from a goal back, a goal down to defeat mm-hmm. Russia, came from a goal down to defeat, <laughs> Scotland. to defeat Scotland. So they're hoping that they will do the same thing tonight in here in Spain. And then a an absolutely stupendous game started. That was a crazy game. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was football. Honestly, it yeah, is. Yeah. is it was something. As I always, I think I've mentioned this to Aki a few times. When you watch that, the BBC recording of that game, the way John Morrison gasped when Zico turned Gentili to set Socrates free. Oh. <laughs> mm. 
And and for me, that wasn't even that wasn't even the best. I think the second goal was even better. Of course. Oh, the second goal was better. <laughs> oh, the second goal was better with the run that Cerezo uh, made. Cerezo made. No, Cerezo. Cerezo. Cerezo to take the whole defense. You, you, could all... the, you, you could see the whole defense move. All three of them. Yes, before. and Falcao just stepped in just to his up. left foot, and the whole defense. The whole thing parted like the Red Sea. I. Uh, it just. I, it, it, it was just unreal. That you know the funny that game I wasn't even scared. I knew okay Brazil. Yeah, they, like you said, they went one goal down before, so yeah, they kept playing. Yeah. But you knew you yeah. could tell that this Italian team, they came. Yeah. The, I mean, they they were defending for their lives. They were just so well organized. Every time they covered on the ball, Gentile was there. He was struggling to turn, yeah. but then eventually they found this. They found the first equalizer, yeah. and uh, we thought, ah, okay, we're gonna you know Brazil will do. They'll they'll overcome this. And then Rossi scored again. <laughs> That's when I started thinking, ah, today might be different. <laughs> it was the first time you were considering the second goal. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Today might be different. What's going on? The, the, that, the penny that, started to drop. Yeah. Then that, then that Falcao goal. Oh my goodness! I think oh, I wrote goodness. some. I think I wrote about that goal a couple Such of years ago. Such a beautiful ago. goal. I don't know if Emeka yeah. remembers. I wrote something about that goal for for um, ACS. <sighs> It was uh, just it was just the, the movement because the move started from Junior. Mm. Mm. Junior brought the ball across midfield, then gave it to Falcao, and then you could see Falcao processing the scene in front of him, control the ball with his right foot, mm. switch to the left, you and see, he just waited. You see, he could see the run. See, gentle- and then Cerezo made that run. Ah, <laughs> gentlemen, you you people, you people are doing are not doing justice to Falcao. I... Let me let me explain. You see, Dinosov took a goal mm-hmm. kick. Dinosov took a goal yeah. kick, and the ball was coming down with snow. Fakao, Fakao stood where he was, was watching the ball come. He, I remember, he just took one look to his left, and allowed the ball to roll off his left foot to go to Junior. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, this was, I, see, if you try, go and watch, you have to watch the game to even see this. The first time, at that time, I didn't notice. It was about five mm. or six years ago that I noticed. You watch it again. And I said, what? How did this guy do this? That's the beauty of that Brazil team. That's Falcao on any team today you say is a megastar. It's true. Oh, yeah. But if you talk oh, about yeah. 82 World Cup, people will be telling you about Zico and Socrates before they get to Falcao. Well, yeah. Though, to be fair, at the tournament itself, mm. I think there was a recognition that he was their oh, best Oh, I player. know. Yeah. At the he, tournament. He, he, Even if he wasn't course. the biggest name. Mm. Yeah, I know. I'm just talking about people, fans generally talking football. You understand? Oh, yeah. They were talking there. They will talk about... Also Zico. So Zico was not number 10, the star. But, oh, my goodness. For that goal, my I, the, the reason why I wrote about that goal last year was I think there was, I was talking about how I was talking about stats and people would say oh someone made an assist. Mm, mm, all that, that that goal that day, the, the making of the goal was that uh, decoy run by Cerezo. Yep. 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 That, that decoy run by Cerezo pulled three people that out of the way, and as soon as they moved, Falcao said, "Okay, that's the opening." And he lashed this shot. <laughs> he lashed this left-footed shot into the corner. I, I was, uh, I, you know, you know, well, here's the thing, Shola. The shot actually wasn't that far in the corner. 
But he was, it was hit so hard. Hit so hard. Exactly. Mm. He was hit so hard. Mm. But Trump I mean, he was wide open. Well to get away. Exactly. To he get out the, of the way. He could see the goal clearly. There was no no one to yes. block it because the result yes. moved everybody out from that without. Yes. Which yes. probably came, which yes. probably came from the first place. Socrates' goal too, because the way the way Zico moved and played in Socrates down the right. Mm. All he had to do, like he said before, the pass will suggest what to do with it. All yes. he had to do was just play it, put it past the keeper. A, a thing of beauty. And we thought, okay, yes. Bra- Brazil is back now. We're going to win this game now. Yeah. Of course, <laughs> Mr. Rossi had other plans. <laughs> Rossi grabbed it third. At that time, I knew there was no way back. Right? Yeah. But as, as yeah. a game, but as a game just to show attacking football against the organization of the against the organization of Italians and it was one of those early lessons in football that you know the the best attacking team doesn't always win you have to put the ball in the yeah. net as I can yeah. Yeah, as I can bear me witness I've said this so many times Brazil not winning that World yeah. Cup affected the yeah. way football went yeah you said yeah. so I've heard you yeah. say it too it definitely yeah. affected the way Brazilian football went. Yes, for sure. <laughs> well, but here's the thing, Shola. Brazilian football was already on that path. After, in fact, the truth is, 1970 was actually an aberration for Brazil. They did not mm. want to play that way. They were terrified of European physique and athleticism. They were. And they didn't believe in their own style anymore. Mm. It was just because that crazy guy, uh, Saldana, got mm-hmm. sacked just yeah. before the tournament and they gave it to Zagallo, Zagallo yeah. and Zagallo himself was cautious but the players were able to sway him to yeah. let them have their own way and they won but by 74-78 yeah. they had reverted to to that old type 82 itself was a throwback again mm. and when it failed mm. when it failed they were like okay this is not the way to go. Where well, we have to go the other way. It brought us to Dunga era. <laughs> Absolutely, the Dunga, the Dunga era. Sebastião Lazaroni the, and the, his three, three centre backs. The something yes. about the something about it for Dunga is Dunga himself was a fine footballer. Okay. He was a good player. He was a good player. Mecca never liked him, but he was a good player. For what he did, he was a decent player. I mean, he was a good player. What you Absolutely. Absolutely. The he played. He did not for the job. He was good. Wake up, play, pass it. Anyway, my, my, because, because um, you've picked, I, um, I can pick um, that 94 semifinal, Afghan 94 semifinal, mm. and you picked, shall I, you picked um, 82 Brazil, 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 Italy. I would, yeah. I would, I would go for Nigeria's Opening game at the at the FIFA World Cup in nineteen ninety. Yeah. See so no, that no. that game that game kicked off eleven thirty five p.m. Nigerian yep. time. Yes. So yes. we we had spent the whole day stewing. We had spent the whole day worrying. <laughs> I spent yeah. the whole day. I'm telling you, I was. Petrified. I would. I used to just think about. I used to think, think about the match, and I'd be like, "Kai, we're going to play Bulgaria, who knocked out France. Bulgaria mm-hmm. with Stoichkov, with um, Kostadinov, with um, <clears throat> um, this 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 European experience. How are we? How are we going to do this? 
I was I was worried. And then funny thing that because at the time I had started doing best of football and all of that. I used to get people asking me, what do I think? What do I think? And I would say like a patriotic Nigerian that don't worry, we'll do we'll win, we'll be okay. But inside, I was petrified. <laughs> Meanwhile, just I think it was an hour to kick off. I don't even know why I just remembered. I said an hour to kick off. I remember that Yekini had outscored Kostadinov in in uh, Portuguese league Portugal. that season. That season. I don't even that, that just gave me you want popcorn? That just gave me um what's it called? It just gave me confidence. Confidence. We could do we could do something. So when they came out, when after NT had finished everything and they went to Foxborough, I think that's where that game was played, and the players were coming out of the tunnel and they started singing the national anthem. I had where? I had goosebumps. I was like, Nigeria is at the World Cup. And as West Ham was to tell me years later, that he told his players it is showtime. So yeah, it was it was showtime and the football Nigeria played after after um after Rufai had made two fabulous saves. The football we played from then on was just really, really exceptional football. It really was. Um, Samson says here in central midfield alongside Son Sunday Ulisse. They they played at a level that I didn't I did not think it was possible for them to play. Um, Iroha, a left back. Amunike Amokachi never stopped working, never stopped running. And then Finidi had the beating of the of their right of their left back. So he was he was he was just we were just absolutely fantastic. Shall I can you mute your call? Can you mute your phone? No, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I was fixing something, man. So youth copying, you know I'm a pedant. Yes. You know I'm a pedant. Yes. That first game was at Cotton Bowl Dallas. Okay. It was the second Argentina game that was, was at Foxborough. Foxborough. Okay. So it was in Dallas. Yes. All right. Yes. It's yes. fine. But it was it was such I, I, it's so funny that when I think about it now, I'm trying to think, I don't think Nigeria has played at the level, at the level that they played that day again at national team level. It was just, mm. it was brilliant. Everybody had an eight over ten. Everybody. It was just. It, it was. Yeah. It was kind of match that you you can sit back and watch it again and watch it again, and then you say, "Wow, this is this was Nigeria," which reminds me of something that you said one day. I think it was after we were beating Spain three two in ninety eight, and I remember watching. Mm. I remember watching that again, and I could not believe. Mm. I could not believe. It, tactically, we were all over the shop, but all over the shop, yeah. <laughs> but individually, it was just everybody go and play, everybody yeah. go and play, even, yeah. even though we that won. Was, that was the 98 World Cup, actually. <laughs> yes. In a nutshell, Nigeria, the 98 World Cup was everybody go and play, everybody go and play. There was nothing, they, there was this chasm in midfield that day, but yeah, yes, this, the Nigeria, yes. that Nigeria Bulgaria game at US 94. Is a game that I always recall with, with um, with pleasure. So, 
I and you know, you know what I like that. Yeah, go on. No, no, go on. No, I like detail. I well, not detail, but I like to fixate on small things. I love the kit. I like the shirt we wore. I love that white shirt. I mm. thought it was so so much better than the green. I never liked that particular green okay. that we wore in 1994. I always thought the way kit was better, which was the white. Mm. And we just looked so sharp. We scored great goals. I'm I'm Monique's um <laughs> there was just it was just such an arrival it was such a confident arrival mm. on the world stage. It, was. <laughs> it was it was so much swagger it was like there was a lot of hype about nigeria there had been this ranking that said nigeria was ranked fifth, fifth yes. in the world going to the world cup before yeah. the tournament yes and people were like oh what's that and when we came and we played that way it was like yes <laughs> all the hype is justified mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what do you mean <laughs> of course we're the fifth best team in the world and if you people don't look sharp, we can even win self, you know? <laughs> that, it was, it was, mm. that was the that was the pinnacle of Westerhouse five year project. Mm. Yes. That was I, the, I, I don't I don't think it ever got even in the, for the rest of our competition, I don't think it ever got that better. No, it, no. It got no, that good. No, that was no. the uh, it, it was a beautiful game to watch. We just Yeah. Yeah. It was a, We're it was just a way to arrive. I think Yes. I was reading, I just read Ulisa's book a few weeks ago. And of course, he talks about all these tournaments. And what, what he reminded me of really was that when, when uh, Ulisa joined that team, I think today we, I think the way he's remembered now doesn't fully justify his effect on that team. Yeah. Because tactically, yeah. he, he was yeah. just, it was, yeah. from the moment he made his debut, it was obvious he wasn't, wasn't good. I don't think they was ever dropped. No. Nope. After that no, day, the was, first day we saw him. He was a missing link. Yeah. Mm. He, he arrived in the middle and played that. He was the last oh, yeah, yeah. That's the guy. Yeah, against Ethiopia. Mm. And, you know, he, no, you're right. He was the last piece of that puzzle. Mm. He was the last piece of the puzzle of that team. We had all these athletic midfielders who were defensive. Ezeugo played in midfield. Yeah, yeah. Oliha played in midfield. Ezeugo played. played in midfield. to a lesser extent, though he had more attacking in matters. Yeah. Oliha was the only one of all of them who could make the play from the back of the midfield. Mm. Who could pass it long. Who could pass it long. Who could move it around? Yeah. And that was what we lacked, really. That nation's because... cup. <laughs> so once he came in, everything just clicked. That like, this is the guy we've been looking for. And you see, the beauty of those days, and this was the last time it happened, mm. was that, and you, you saw it in the 80s, you saw it earlier when the team played at stadium, was that the fans actually were big stakeholders in the whole conversation. Mm. So when a player was accepted by the fans at stadium, it carried a lot of weight. And the fans were almost the ones who would almost go and meet the coaches sometimes and say, this guy has to play. <laughs> you saw it in the junior teams a lot. So, and only say, came back and was like, ah, my boy, this is the guy. It's finished. There's no... And the media picked up on it. The vibe was, oh, it was yeah. still a community. It was still a community. It was still close. Now... You know, the guy comes in from here. Nobody knows who the guys are. Um, they play in some part of the country. Nah, nobody, nobody I mean, nobody knows any. <laughs> that connection is gone. That, uh, the national, national team. Oh, my goodness. Those were, those were good times. Yeah. Well, what's your, what's yeah. your second was your second game? Okay. Okay, very quickly. My second game, 
And I like that you picked, you know, shall I pick the Italy Brazil because it marked an era, like you said, uh, Emeka. It marked the beginning of an era, defensive football and the ascendancy. I'm going to pick a game that I think marked the reversal of that trend definitively. And uh, this is Real Madrid 2, Barcelona 6 from the 2nd of May, 2009. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> that, that was... Um, and it's fitting that Guardiola is in the Champions League final and just won the, his third Premiership title um, in the last week or so. Yeah, because yeah. that was the game that sealed his influence on football. That that was the point at which what had been a promising first season mm. um, became the overwhelming success that that followed. That was the tipping point. Real, you, that season, Barca had been 12 points ahead and had, were clearly the best team in Spain. Mm-hmm. But Real, more by... You know Real, Real know how to win. They know how to win. <laughs> and they had been, they were on a long winning streak without, you know, while being clearly inferior mm. to Barca. They, they had hauled the 12-point gap to four. So they went into that game knowing that if they won, it would be one point. Mm. And had Barca lost that game, I don't think mentally they would have been able to survive, even though they would still have been ahead. That season would have gone Real's way. So Barca had dropped a couple of points here and there. They've been drawing. You know, they just lost their way a bit. And Real were playing badly, but winning. Mm. So come the game, Pep is in charge. And... He makes the one decision. That's the first day Messi plays as a false nine. Oh, was that, that his? Was his? That was his. Yes. So, from a tactical perspective, it's a very important game because that was the first time that he was playing a false nine at all. Messi played it. Others will do it later, but that was the first time Messi played that role, and that was the first time Pep was doing it. And this was also very emblematic of Pep's. Um, approach even in the biggest games he's never afraid to try something different sometimes it comes off sometimes it doesn't mm. but he was never afraid to try some. and he figured that Messi would find all sorts of space the centre-back would not know whether to stick or twist mm. and it would be anarchy from a real perspective Real started the game well funnily enough and scored first uh, Sergio Ramos, who was playing right back in those days, I was a very good right back, by the way. Mm. Um, turned uh, Abidal inside out, put in a cross, Higuain headed it in, and Real actually took the lead. Then Barca came back, um, equalized through Henri off a chipped pass from Messi, a ball he picked up in the false nine position. Um, Puyol scored the second from a, a, a free kick, and then um, Xavi pressed dispossessed Lansana Diera. Now that's a blast from the past. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to set up to set up Messi for the third. You know, Real came back, Ramos scored from a set piece. Then Henri scored the fourth. Messi got the fifth. And then the pierce the resistance at the end was Pique getting the sixth goal. Yeah, it was a yes. counter, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I think he was a color. You know, Pique is, Pique is irresponsible. He wanted to score because to all the sense and purposes, the game was over. Yes. So he was like, oh yeah, 
Maybe he told, I don't know who he have told, maybe Busquets, they stay back, me, I want to score. Oh, That's literally what it is. It wasn't really a set piece, I don't think. Or maybe it was the fallout from a set piece. He was meant to have gone back, but he just stuck around in front and he reversed the ball in. And the scoreline was spectacular, but the game symbolized a lot more. It symbolized a new approach mm. to playing. It symbolized the tactical um, um, ideas that uh, Guardiola was introducing. And you know, so with spectacular success, and it just it changed Messi. From that point, Messi went from a wide midfielder slash number ten mm. to some sort of you know a destructive beast <laughs> who, who who now scored lots of goals as well as all the other things yeah. he did. Mm. At that point, he wasn't the case, and. Mm. I think I think he was just if you want to pick a, a pep game and I don't think you can talk about football in the past decade and a half or this millennium mm-hmm. and not talk about pep or well, you have to you have to first before you talk about anybody else and if you want to pick one pep game I that really um, really really the first time he did it again you know the five nil the Manita a year and a half later, mm-hmm. the Champions League final in 2011, sorry Emeka, when they declared <laughs> that 3-1, when they declared <laughs> that 3-1, and John played out the last 20 uh, minutes out of respect for Alex. Listen, this is, that particular <laughs> game is absolutely why I would ever say a bad word about Guardiola, mm-hmm. about a lot of the personal <laughs> players that day, because I know they declared yeah. They declared. They could have scored oh, six, six seven, or eight. <laughs> if, if, if they had been playing Real Madrid, they would not have declared. Real. They, they would have scored six. Yes. Exactly. It was mandatory to humiliate Real. Yes. <laughs> but because they had no beef with United. Yes. They didn't uh, they didn't declare. They just declared that one no. and say, okay, it's all right. <laughs> let's not let's not disrespect them. Yourself. Yes. We too will respect you. I will go. So I think that game is important over the past for what has happened to football in the past decade. And echoes of it are everywhere, even today. Mm. So that's the second game. Um, that that was a that was a special team. That I think that game probably described that whole era. I think I think that, that was yeah. one that was that was a team I set my schedule to around that time. Every Saturday yeah. I had to watch that. You had to watch them. You had to watch them. It was like the Harlem Globetrotters. Seriously. Because they were just on yeah. a different level. Yeah, because over here, I think the only there's only one station that being in sports carries uh, Spanish football here. Okay. And their, their subscription was like, I don't even remember, 15, 20 bucks per month. <laughs> because of Barcelona, I paid that subscription. I had, every Saturday, I had to watch that. I don't pay it now. I don't, I don't watch Barcelona. <laughs> 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 Seriously, the rest of the week, it wasn't worth my trouble. But for that Saturday, to watch yeah. Messi, to watch Iniesta and Xavi do their thing was, uh, that was a special that was a special era. Uh, shall I, very quickly your number two game if you have any my number two games right. since we're talking about memorable games mm-hmm. there's no there's no tactical significance or anything it just sits in the head Istanbul mm-hmm. just for what happened mm-hmm. in Istanbul because I, I don't think 
I can't even. I mean, people have come back from three goals. People have come back. From three you see, goals. shall I wait? You see, I, I can. You have to bear me in this. I probably was one of the few people on the face of this earth who feared a comeback. <laughs> I, I, I know the feeling. It's paranoia. Yes, it's paranoia. I was like, <laughs> when, when it was, when they scored the third goal, I was watching Sky Sports had them. Um, and the Gray and Martin Tyler. By the time this skill with which Crespo scored that third goal. Oh, I'm seriously. Yeah. Um, and the Gray goes during the, the when they showed <laughs> when they showed the replay or the third replay, and the Gray goes, and that Martin is that. That's what he said. That's, yeah. that's what he said. <laughs> and as long as, as, as he said that, I thought, no, don't say that. Don't say that, man. Yeah. Don't say that. Ah. Go on, Shola. Seriously. Two things. But two things make it memorable for me because one, because I mean, I've been a Liverpool fan since back in the day. But when Liverpool were, when I first started getting into European soccer, AC Milan was my team. Oh. Mid 80. Mid 80. When. Me, uh, see, for me, I've always been, I've always favored the Dutch from '74, Cruyff and all that. Okay. So when when Milan went out and bought Van Basten and Bullet, AC Milan became my team, and then they bought Rijkaard too. And this was Milan coming into their own '86, '87. Mm. So I've always been. So this conflict never came up before because one, English teams were banned from Europe, mm-hmm. and and secondly, Liverpool were really poor in the '90s. They never, there was no occasion that we were going to play Milan. So on the day of this final, I said, I, I support Milan, I support Liverpool. Whoever wins, I'll be happy. Okay. Wrong. At halftime, I was miserable. <laughs> <laughs> At Milan 3, Liverpool, I'm like, which kind of ridiculous game? I was miserable. That's the day I knew there's no, con- there no contest. There's Liverpool and then maybe I like some other thing. And then the second we have to remember is... It wasn't this Milan, this particular Milan team at that time. Mm. This was practically the best team in the world then. The players they had. Yeah, they had terrific players. Everywhere, you know. With Maldini and uh, I think Baresi was gone by then, but they still had, they had Nesta, I think. Mm. And then Kafu on the wing. Sedov, Pelo, Gattuso. Kaka. And then the Kaka. We lost to Milan. Home and away. Now, they, we lost to Milan. Home and away. And I. What in the I second remember, round. Yes. What I remember was that yeah. I was at Old Trafford for the for the second round game in February. Yeah. It was so cold. I thought I was going to die. That's how cold <laughs> it was at Old Trafford that night. And when um, um, Andy Carroll. Dropped the mm-hmm. ball that um, Crespo scored with. I, 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 I remember when I when I got to the train station after the game, and I was there and it started snowing. I was cussing at the carol <laughs> in my mind. I'm like, here I am here in this weather here, and the carol is probably in some hot tub tub here somewhere, and it's the one that's caused all this nonsense. But I I, 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 I remember I remember. So when they got to that final, I thought, and they went three 0 up, and I was just paranoid. Tenko nah. with Crespo, that was a super team. Mm. Going one one goal behind was hard enough. Like I, back then, I used to watch Syria every Saturday too, so I knew how good these guys were. So at three 0 I'm like, 
and then my broadcaster at half time they put the, they put a question on the screen. Mm. Do you think uh, Liverpool can come back? I almost threw a shoe at it. Oh, they did. <laughs> <laughs> they did. Do you think? Do you think Liverpool can come back in the second half? I almost threw a shoe. What kind of stupid question is this? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go there and try not to be embarrassed. Let's just hope they don't reach six. And then the second half came and, and then everything changed in six minutes. And it's amazing how goals, goals change games. Because I think Milan were still kind of thinking of 3-1. They were still trying to process the 3-1 when it became 3-2. And yeah. then before I knew it, the penalty, I'm like, wow, 3-3. But even at that, there was still plenty of football to play. Maybe that day, I don't even know. The, the, the gods just said Liverpool will win today. No, but, but on that day, and I'm, I'm a Liverpool fan, as you know, Milan were the better side. There's no doubt in my mind. They, it, was just, it was just that we're going, we're supposed to win that competition. And Milan at see, that stage. Okay, go on. Did you see the save Dudek made? Oh, yes, the double I save. Don't, I don't think Dudek Shevchenko. knew. Dudek didn't know what happened there. The ball no, just... the second one. He didn't know what happened with the second one. <laughs> yeah, he the made the first save, which was there. And then the second one, he yes. just tried to get up yes. and stretch out the, the ball. Just and the ball, the ball just hit him. And bounced over the bar. And bounced over the bar. You know, the thing was, that Milan team, you are right about them being the best around in terms of the players. But at that point, they were a bit like Zidane's Real Madrid. Absolutely. Um, yes. Yes. They were a cup team. They could. They were not. They could not do it week in, week out in the league anymore. Mm. They did not mm. win the league. They, though they qualified for that tournament as champions. Yeah, but they didn't win it. They, they didn't win it after that for seven years. That same team because they had become. You know, they were they were a Champions League team by that point. Mm. Uh, they were Champions League team. Ancelotti. Yes, and that's Ancelotti. Ancelotti is not one for leagues. Generally speaking, yeah, so on is, that day, is for massaging his big names. Yeah, yes, right. on that day, they just came and played their football with all their experience and all their names, and they were just terrific. They were just terrific. It was just that our name was on the cup, really. Our name, but, but I know. I mean, I mean, you have to give. I have to give some credit to Rafa. They tried to change things. Rafa is so good, yeah. Because, yeah. because I mean, how many teams go to? You, typically, I just thought about it a few weeks ago. Typically, you go down three nil like that. We have to chase the game. Then you start bringing mm. in attacking players, mm. right? Mm. Rafa mm. said, first of all, we have to stop Kaká from playing. Mm. So his first his first change was Didi Aman. Yes. Aman, go there and stop them from running. Mm. From, mm. from stop Kaká mm. from putting on mm. the mm. show. Mm. Mm. Most people will say, ah, throw in more strikers. We need mm. goals. Mm. All right, no, 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 no. Let's uh, Batman come sit on Kaka. Let's mm. let's uh, Steven Gerrard go and to try and influence the game higher up the field. Mm. And then after they got to three three and Milan started rebuilding the game. Yes. I think Gerrard finished up play playing right back. He played two. Yeah, he was by the end he was playing yeah, two. Was because when they brought when they brought on Serginio. They brought on yes. Serginio. Who was running us? Who was running riot down he, there left? He was yeah, destroying Finan. He was destroying yeah, Finan. Uh, I think Finan had no, gone. Finan had gone. gone. Finan went at half time. Okay. Finan went at half time. Yeah, Finan went at half time. I think he went time. to three at the back. Yes. I think he went to three at the back at some point. But when Sergio came, I was getting so much joy there. Yes. He moved Gerard. Yes. Gerard right back. Exactly. Yeah. And Gerard was able to control him a little bit. Uh, Gerard is a special player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he played three or four positions that yeah, day. Yeah, that day. Across the, yeah. the 120 minutes. 
it, yeah. it was just uh, so it wasn't i don't know i can't you can't say there was any tactical anything there but we just mm. it was just one of those games that sticks in your mind yeah and uh and no, now no. liverpool came and conquered milan after being three new yeah games. you see and the beauty of football and this is i suppose my view summation of thoughts is mm. that because it is a low scoring sport Mm. Um, football can be very the results can be very random mm. it can be and it can be so basketball because it's a high scoring sport the better team will almost always win especially because, in the seven game series yeah <laughs> seven games. but in a one off football match which can be decided by one goal or two yeah mm-hmm. there's randomness and that Istanbul was extreme randomness <laughs> but that's why we love the game Mm. Yeah, that is. That's, That's why you love the game. Yeah. That's the game. Yeah. See, I, I, that, after Liverpool won that cup, for a whole week, I was not watching Sky Sports News. I was not <laughs> interested <laughs> because everything else on Sky Sports News was Liverpool. So, unfortunately, the, the day the team arrived, I think the team arrived the next day. Yes. Mm-hmm. The day they were doing the, they paraded in the city center. I don't yeah. know when, mm-hmm. when they did it, but I went to visit a friend. And as I entered mm-hmm. his house, the his channel was on Sky Sports News. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. how is this now? Now he said he, he was not asking me, ah, have I seen that Liverpool are back? I was looking at him. Oh. Oh, yeah, what is this guy telling me here? Why am I interested in Liverpool being back? He said, Come and see them, see the whole city. I, I turned my back on it, but to, to be honest, it was it was um it was for a, for a Liverpool fan. I'm sure it must have been fun. And what I liked was the part where, wow. uh, where the part where during the 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 um what's it called where in the city center, um, Kelly Cates mm-hmm. was reporting for Sky Sports News, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. they she was. She was handing, she was speaking life to the people in the studio. And all of a sudden, she got too emotional. And she said she couldn't anymore. <laughs> she actually <laughs> said she couldn't anymore because because they they were singing that you people's song. They were singing it. They were singing it, and she said she couldn't do it anymore. And I thought this is this is only football can do this. Listen, gentlemen, oh, it's been yeah. absolutely brilliant. I am um, thank you, thank you so much for. For coming to share your your memories with us on your spot memo podcast, we couldn't get Shola Aikbeku on it. Uh, maybe another time when we'll be discussing more historical stuff, we would we'll try and get him. Shola in Canada, thank you. Pleasure, my brother. Aki, thank you so very much for being a regular here, just like Shola. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you for the invite. Bye. Bye. Take care.